Hi, welcome to Unplugged. I'm Hannah and I'm sat here with my friend Tom to talk about mental wellbeing. Hi everyone, welcome back. Just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened, shared and given feedback on our first episode. It just motivates us more and more to produce the most helpful, most insightful content for all of you listeners out there. Please also continue to contact us with any questions you may have and we'll also be more than happy to hear any of your own stories or experiences. Our email address is contactunpluggedpodcast at gmail.com and that will be in the description. So what's the plan for today's show then, Hannah? Today we're going to talk about burnout. We've got Will Alan Mersh, our expert from Spill, joining us later in the episode to discuss Spill's burnout guide. So we've done some research. What exactly is burnout, Tom? So burnout prior to 2019, it always been put under a kind of umbrella of a type of exhaustion or a type of stress. Um, It was actually categorised as a state of vital exhaustion. In early 2019, the World Health Organisation declared burnout as an occupational phenomenon and actually upgraded its categorisation to be a syndrome. Now, what that means for me and you is that there's now an official definition. There are official symptoms. And I think that combined just helps people get a diagnosis for burnout, which offers improved treatment and just increases that awareness of what burnout is. So the official definition is chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And I think it's really important to note, and this was one of the big changes that the World Health Organization changed in that was it was to include workplace. So yeah, so chronic workplace stress that has not been managed. And the official symptoms are feelings of energy depletion and exhaustion increased mental distance from your job, feelings of negativity towards your job, and reduced professional efficiency. With those symptoms in mind, Hannah, do you think you've ever felt like you've had burnout or you've experienced burnout in the past? I think personally in my position, and you know, everyone probably thinks working in certain industries as well, the environment can have a huge impact on that. So if you're working in a really fast-paced environment, there can be varying levels of pressure, which could potentially induce more workplace stress, which I think is just a constant challenge for a lot of professionals. I was really interested to learn more about burnout during our research and also talking about it today, um, just shed some light on what it's all about. Maybe I have had it or maybe I'm totally naive, but it'd be good to know how you can identify the symptoms. What about you? Do you think you've ever experienced it before? So I think similar to yourself, even when I look at and sort of reread through those official symptoms that I just mentioned, some of those definitely resonate to what I've experienced in my previous work life. Maybe not so much recently, but over my sort of 10 year career, there's definitely some of those that I've picked up on, but I think where where I didn't know what burnout was and where I wasn't sort of fully aware of what burnout is, I would have probably put it down to having a bad day or having a bad night's sleep or just generally finding some other excuse rather than burnout. But hopefully with this podcast and where we can raise awareness to other people, people will start to recognise that these feelings they're having could actually be burnout and start to put a name on it. Yeah, definitely. And I guess similarly talking about depression and sort of other mental health challenges that you could bring into the workplace, there's often that misconception that, you know, you can fix these things in a day. And although duvet days and other uh, benefits that employees can have in the workplace to get a break from work or have that last minute unplanned time away. Some people think that these one days will cure everything and will cure something like burnout. One day of rest 
probably won't fix it. No, no, definitely not. Doctors will sign people off for a minimum of two weeks because one week or even a day just isn't long enough for someone to recover. And then once those two weeks are coming to an end, they'll bring you in, they'll do another reassessment and see whether you're fit to go back to work or whether you need further time off. It's when you start to understand why is it two weeks and why isn't one day enough? It's really because if you think of your kind of work life and if you're signed off Monday to Friday, it's highly likely that you're still going to have work anxiety or worries about work on the Sunday night. And that's probably going to carry forward to midweek. So only having a week off, you're never really going to completely switch off from work. There's also a worry that people have got this fear of taking time off work or investing in self-care because it makes them appear weak or it makes them appear not as strong as they want to be portrayed. But I feel like every good and ethical business leader would much rather someone have two weeks off and come back at 100% efficiency than be suffering in silence and only be working to sort of 40 to 50% efficiency and not bringing the most and adding the most value to that business. And I feel like a short investment of people's time away from the office will ultimately reap massive and bigger rewards upon returning to the office. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That is such a good point. When you do have time off work, it can be really hard to switch off. Recently, I know we both saw a trending article on LinkedIn regarding workations, when people book holidays and they take time away from the office or working from home, but then they make exceptions for that one phone call or they can't switch off from their inbox and they have emails coming through to their phones and they make exceptions for that one reply. I guess when people have burnout, they can be unaware of it. So there's that hidden pressure to work harder and work longer hours and don't switch off all in order to feel like they've fulfilled their workload. Yeah, definitely. And the reason why you're allowed holiday is to eliminate the risk of burnout and the risk of exhaustion and stress. And I'm, I'm definitely a victim of it before because I've definitely said to colleagues or said to clients, even though I'm away, I'll be sitting by the pool, I'll be fine to take your call or I'll be fine to reply to emails. But then when you actually think of that, that time off, that week off in Spain or the two weeks off when you go abroad, that should be time to switch off completely and spend it with your family, spend it with your friends and completely switch off. And even though you might think at the time, oh, it's just an email, it's just a phone call, it's just going to add to that kind of boiling pot of becoming exhausted, becoming too stressed and kind of hitting that definition of what burnout is, of chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. So we're going to talk to our expert, Will Alan Mersh from Spill now for some advice. Spill are a workplace wellness programme which are set up to help boost productivity and employee mental well-being. Hi, Will. Welcome to Unplugged. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Um, I suppose for the benefit of the listeners, we've obviously spoken before, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what Spill do? Yeah, sure. So I'm a partner at Spill. Spill is a mental health startup. We basically got going two and a half years ago now, I think, um, because we felt that there was a greater need for kind of mental health support beyond that that was offered by traditional services. We saw more and more people just experiencing I guess, kind of like emotional pain, right? It's not always the kind of issue that warrants a medical diagnosis or label, but it's stuff that kind of hurts, right? It's burnout, it's imposter syndrome, it's social anxiety. Um, 
And we really wanted to make it easier to access kind of smaller bits of mental health support as and when people want them, not just when they feel like they're really struggling. So they're kind of earlier and more often approach. Um, so we make uh, a Slack app that basically lets employees of companies book therapy sessions over video um, super easily. Um, and through doing that, we're trying to just make therapy be seen less as something that's very like medical and heavy and more just as something that any of us can use because we're all people with brains and sometimes our brains uh, go a bit weird and <laughs> accessing small bits of support more often we think is a great way to stay on top of our mental well-being. We saw obviously the content and, and the stuff that you produced on your website and there was a particular focus on burnout. I suppose what are the what are the warning signs of burnout and how can people or what do people need to look out for? Yeah so this I guess yeah it's something that has become incredibly common especially over the last few years we actually did a survey a couple of months ago um we just surveyed like 1400 uk working adults and i think it was 79 percent of them said they felt close to burning out at some point last year so it really is something that has gone from being perhaps a bit rarer to something that most of us in the uk at least seem to experience at some point um, interesting when we look at kind of symptoms so how what are the signs that we might look out for there are kind of three symptoms that define burnout fatigue negativity and ineffectiveness um, so fatigue is often described by people who go through it with regards to burnout as it it's a lot more than tiredness it's kind of that whole body emotional exhaustion where even really small tasks seem insurmountable people often describe you know the idea of doing what they usually would do a few calls responding to email it just feels like this kind of insurmountable hill of work uh, relative to normal negativity is the second one um this is kind of like cynicism compared to your normal outlook this is actually the symptom i present with first um the order that people experience them differs uh, person to person but yeah i often hear myself in meetings starting to go I don't think that will work or this timeline is really unreasonable and uh, I think my colleagues have become aware of that now so a couple of them um, can spot that when when, it, when it's time for me to take some time off so uh, negativity is the second one and then ineffectiveness is kind of it can be either perceived or actual but it's basically a severance between the link between effort and reward so either you're doing the same amount of work but it feels way harder or you're actually just getting far less done uh, with the same amount of time so it's that feeling that it really just is hard to get things done so I guess those are kind of the three um, signs that we can look out for you might hear people saying things that are indicative of them like with the cynicism uh, you might also be able to spot behaviors so fatigue for example people are often a lot slower to respond often having their cameras off a lot more on video calls seeming more withdrawn than normal so I guess it would be a mix of listening out for what they're saying and also trying to observe some of those behaviors and what they might look like as well okay to be fair from from sort of hearing that and from myself going through depression quite a few years ago they those symptoms sound like there's a bit of a crossover is there a crossover between burnout and depression and how would you differentiate the difference between those two very good question burnout i guess is kind of thought of as i guess a work related type of low mood um with with all mental health there is a bit of crossover it's not as clear cut as physical health we can't you know if my ankle hurts i can take a ct scan and say yes tom that is or isn't a fractured ankle very clear 
with mental health, it's always a bit, there's always a bit more gray area. In general, the way we characterize um, what might or might not be a certain condition is through the grouping of symptoms and then also the frequency and severity of symptoms. So yes, those three symptoms, depression would encompass them. Depression is a lot broader, so it's not just to do with work. Burnout is at its core primarily to do with your relationship with work. That's how it's defined by all the kind of major global bodies. It's an occupational phenomenon. Um, with depression, you'd often be looking at additional symptoms like kind of more systemic low mood uh, and low self-worth. So not only feeling like work is really hard and you're bad at work, but maybe kind of a bad partner, a bad friend, you get this more general sense of hopelessness. And then at its worst, there can be more kind of acute and extreme symptoms, things like suicidal ideation. So I guess it would be kind of the grouping of symptoms and the severity of symptoms would be what differentiates it. Um, but as in, as with all of mental health, uh, we tend to assess things kind of on a sliding scale rather than with absolutes. So what actually happens when you're diagnosed with burnout and what does the journey to recovery look like? So it's an interesting one. You can't actually officially be diagnosed with burnout by a doctor because it is not, according to any of the major like diagnostic manuals, it's not actually a medical or mental health condition. It is just this occupational phenomenon. Um, the exact specifications around what makes something a condition or a disease are quite interesting. It tends to be it's a group of symptoms that happen together with a specific health related cause. So the thinking is that because burnout has this kind of more general it's more generally about our relationship with work psychologically it doesn't have that specific health related cause aspect and i mean it affects 79 percent of us right um so i think that's the thinking behind why it's termed as just an occupational psychological phenomenon basically but if you are at a kind of severe risk of burnout if you're experiencing those symptoms quite severely in the short term there really is no substitute for time off at that point um, it's like with, I guess, any kind of physical injury, it's too late then to prevent it. What you need to do is rest and recover, basically. The amount of time off you need, it's a bit how long is a piece of string, really hard to say. But I think often, anecdotally, what we hear a lot about is people thinking they can recover from burnout in a few days. It tends to be a matter of a week, two weeks, rather than a few days to really recover from it um, successfully. Um, and give yourself a really fighting chance of getting back into work and feeling good and engaged and productive. What can you do as sort of self-help and, you know, can you actually seek professional help as well for burnout? Yeah, um, there's a lot we can do because it is, I guess, so much about that psychological relationship with work. Part of it, you know, is about the sheer amount of workload and stress, which we might not necessarily be able to control, you know, until we get to you know, the fabled three day working week. Um, although interestingly, you know, it's, it hasn't been shown that that would necessarily, uh, you know, eliminate burnout because there's been cases of people who burn out working 20 hours a week. There's cases of people who don't burn out working 100 hours a week. So it's both those, it is the absolute level of workload and stress, but it's also how we manage that relationship and how we kind of internalize it. So there's, there's lots of stuff we can do in that area in terms of self-help. I think a general area of good practice in any form of mental well-being is just trying to have more realistic expectations. That is, especially if we look at the modern world, work is such a massive part of our identity, right? 
Like the idea of going to a party and saying, what do you do for a living? seems normal to us but it's only really a phenomenon of the last 150 years you know before that you would ask what village do you come from or who's your family that would be your your first question so i think trying to practice more realistic expectations trying to be really clear about boundaries it's so easy to say but so hard to do um but being really clear about this is work this is not work separating those two things mentally in any way um that you can Accepting help, I think there's this quite dangerous aspect, especially in a lot of fast growing companies that we kind of need to be on top of everything. We need to not drop any balls. We need to always be offering to do more. Um, but I think trying to help lead by example and contribute to a culture where it's okay to say, I dropped that ball, I'm not on top of that. I'm gonna need help on this project. I'm overstretched. The more we can, I think, reinforce that, it's not only helpful for, our, for ourselves, but it's also gonna, help contribute to slowly creating a bit of cultural change around, I guess, work and being a bit more open and vulnerable about stuff. That's great. So what could companies do to ensure they're doing all they can to prevent burnout with their employees? You know, what, what measures can they put in place to support their staff? Yes, very good question. Um, I think the one of the big low-hanging fruits is making sure people take holiday or supporting them to take holiday. Um, in the survey that I spoke about that we ran recently, we found that 30% of people uh, didn't take their full holiday allowance last year and 51% of them felt guilty when they did take that holiday. So there seems to be something around, especially during lockdown, this idea of kind of holiday guilt or holiday FOMO and being like, you know, the ROI on holiday has gone down, supposedly, because you can't go and do exciting things. You're just going to be sitting at home. And so we're saving up our days for, you know, potentially taking a three week trip in December. But that's not how holiday works. We need like regular small breaks in order to continue to fun function well psychologically at work. And um, so I think that's one thing companies can put more of a focus on. Something we've been trying at Spill is just to treat holiday more like a KPI. Um, we were equally guilty of that last year. I don't think anyone took their full holiday allowance last year at Spill. We now track it like we would other OKRs, like percentage of holiday days taken this quarter. And we celebrate it like we when we hit a sales milestone. We're trying to kind of work it into the actual fabric of the company. I guess things which get measured often get a lot of emotional attention and focus. So we're trying to kind of bring it more into that vein. Um, I think we can also, in terms of companies, be more supportive in terms of actually helping people take time off when they have burnt out. I think we've noticed this at Spill. It's one thing to for someone to realize they're burning out and say they want to take time off, but then actually taking it and taking enough is often a different question. And there are quite a lot of psychological hurdles that can stop people. I think one example would be, yeah, people worried they're going to miss out. You know, when they come back, a project will have been taken over by someone else. They're also worried that perhaps uh, the workload will just be redistributed onto their team and their team will be more stressed. So I think it's not enough to just you know recommend people take time off. We have to actively help make a plan for that. So some kind of process in place to be like, okay, you're going to be off for 10 days. In order to keep you in the loop, your team is going to make a three minute video every day, screen sharing to fill you up to speed before you come back. This is where the workload will be distributed. This is how we'll reintegrate you into the project with a series of meetings on the day you get back. I think, yeah, taking a step beyond lip service and actually practically helping people 
to do that when they're burning out um, can be really good. And then I guess fr from there, just a raft of smaller habits and processes because it's all about our psychological relationship with work. Anything which helps people feel more in control of their time, anything which helps people feel more engaged, getting clearer feedback, feeling like they're involved in setting the goals, that's just going to help make them feel more psychologically engaged with work, which makes you less likely uh, to burn out in the long term. It's so right what, what you said there, and it really resonated with me, actually, that I'd, I'd have that worry about missing something at work. I'd, I'd have that worry that because I'm not in the office, I'm, I'm not going to do something or it's, it's, it's going to be perceived as bad because I'm taking two weeks off. And it's something that me and Hannah actually touched on before we've uh, spoken here, Will. And just, just saying that holiday is put in place. It's a legal thing for a reason to try and stop these things happening. And I don't know if, if, if it's because of the previous jobs I've done, but it's just always seemed as a bad thing taking holiday and it should be the complete opposite. And what you said there sounded really good in terms of having a KPI around actually taking holiday. Yeah, and I think it's, it's like you said, we need to just reframe how people think about it. And it's so interesting when you look at the research on this, There's, I think it was a Harvard Business Review study where they showed that once people come back, even from a short break, they are literally like more open to communication and they spot ideas quicker, which makes them better at teamwork. So it's this idea, and I've really found this, you often don't think you quote, like need a holiday, but when you come back for one, you're just like 20% better at everything <laughs> and your team feel it, right? And then the morale of the team changes. So I think it's that idea that we're trying to do this at Spill at the moment. And I don't think we've really cracked it yet, but we try like when you book holiday on our holiday tracker, the like auto response message says like, thank you for taking holiday by doing this. You are making spill more collaborative. We're going to solve problems quicker. Your team's going to function better. We're, yeah, we're trying to make it seem more like a selfless act than something you're just doing for yourself because it is it helps other people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I suppose finally, we've obviously spoken about and we've obviously identified that burnout is specifically work related. Is is there a way that potential listeners that are listening to this can determine if they're experiencing burnout or if it's just a job that isn't for them? And the reason why, why I ask that is obviously this is all stress related and there are typically jobs which are more stressful. Is there a line between someone being burnt out and someone just not being I don't know, wired or, or, or not being suitable for a highly stressful job? Yeah, it's a really good question. Actually, a lot of the research shows that it's one of the most common predictors of burnout is if there's like a mismatch between a person's job requirements and their own traits, strengths, life story. It doesn't need to necessarily even be your traits. It can just be if you are in a job that doesn't fit with the narrative you've crafted for yourself, it's just going to feel a lot harder, right? If I'm a strong believer in sustainability and I'm working on something that goes against that, it's going to feel harder. If I'm high in introversion and I'm trying to become a public speaker, it's not impossible, but it just feels harder. And that it's more likely to get to that point where work just feels really, really difficult. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one of the best things we can do as individuals is I think try to just um seek more understanding in terms of what's really important to us and how that might sometimes be a mismatch between us and the role i think that's where therapy can be so helpful getting someone who is qualified to give you that space to explore actually what makes sense for you there's a bunch of really good free psychological tests online for this um, the intrinsic values test for example the big five personality test i did those and learned a bunch of stuff about that i think this is it's kind of a broader systemic thing that in school and life, you're always asked, what do you want to do? What is your passion? 
you're never asked like how do you want to work and those two things are often very very different you know you might be someone who loves the industry you're in but actually what psychologically works for you is working uh, a large proportion of the time on your own working on one project that then comes to an end every month and you move on to a different project it might be a totally bad fit with the actual psychological requirements of how your work is set up, even though it feels like it's kind of a passion. So I think, yeah, using various tools, using resources like therapy to drill down what is really going to work for us in terms of a work setup. And if there's a mismatch, it is just the best thing for everyone for that to be called out as the elephant in the room and discussed and tried to move forward. Um, otherwise, if you, if you keep mismatching, you're, you're just keeping on putting yourself at a higher risk of burnout going forward. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, just really useful and really added a lot of value to that understanding. And I think that's the most important thing. It's just it's getting people to be to become aware of their feelings and starting to notice their feelings and not pass it off as oh, I'm, I'm just a bit tired or I'm having a bad day. It's to actually recognise and notice that these are things that are going on psychologically that quite often we can't control. And you need to do something about it rather than just fobbing it off as, oh, I only had six hours sleep or I got out the wrong side of the bed, which I think it's just going to mask and it's just going to repress that underlying issue. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's these, these like different schools of thought, right? And we're still not exactly sure, but obviously some mental health issues do come um, kind of genetically, it can be passed down. But I think especially when we look at burnout and things like low mood and a lot of other low level negative emotions, they often do, they are there to signal something to us, right? Like at its core, a certain level of anxiousness has always existed evolutionarily to tell us when a situation is dangerous. Obviously, when it gets totally decoupled from the actual threat is when it becomes more like anxiety symptoms that really affect our day to day. But yeah, at its core, like low mood, for example, uh, is meant to tell us something sometimes. So I think if you're continually burning out again and again, um, like trying to listen to that and trying to unpack what might be causing it, um, I think can be a really helpful thing in the long term. If you can relate to anything we've discussed, please reach out and seek help. We've included links to Spill's burnout guide in the description. We've also provided a list of other sources of help as well. Um, first of those is the Mental Health Foundation, which is a charity close to my heart. I actually represented and raised money for them when I ran the marathon back in 2019. Not that I like to mention I've run the marathon, but yeah, I did it. They, uh, they, their main aim is to prevent crisis before it occurs. So they've got lots of sort of handy resources online for yeah, just that prevention and just to raise awareness. If you are in crisis right now and do need some immediate help and assistance, then we'll also share details of MIND. They've got emergency advices, they've got a list of coping tools and also have two dedicated phone lines for you to call up and speak to someone immediately. Or alternatively, if you're in the UK and you prefer not to speak to someone or you're not in the right environment to speak with someone, then you can text the word SHOUT to 85258, which is a free, confidential and anonymous text support service where you'll be linked up with a trained counsellor. Are you going to do that bit where you, um, what is it they always say on podcasts, where they're like, you can hear us on Acast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, but now you've said it, I'll just cut and use that bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, me and Hannah were saying earlier that we never know how to end the podcast. And there we go. So Will, Will was just given our <laughs> You listen to us on Apple, Spotify. <laughs>